welcome back to the Reading to Rudeness podcast with Father Adam and Emily as we continue to read Person and Act by Kara Wojtyla, a.k.a. Pope John Paul the Great. And this time we're jumping into the personal dimension of self-determination. Mm-hmm. Uh, so building off of the themes of last time, where he brought in freedom and freedom of the will last time, kind of looking at, yeah, our, I think uh, it all kind of runs together, I guess, <laughs> that, that uh, freedom to choose. And then now we're going to talk about how that is self-determining. Mm-hmm. So we have this kind of self-possession and self-governance, mm-hmm. things kind of building from last time. But now we're going to talk about self-determination and more on freedom and the things that then come into play mm-hmm. like motivations and values and mm-hmm. not quite emotions yet, but they would fit. But we'll get there. Yep. <laughs> and another thing that he seems to give us right at the end of the chapter, which is really exciting, which we'll get to. But we will, <laughs> so stay we'll, tuned. We'll hold the suspense you must, there. You must wait. <laughs> There's something we had a lot of fun discussing uh-huh. Uh-huh. pre-podcast. Yes, but. yes. So, yeah, chapter one was consciousness. Chapter two yes. was efficacy. Mm. Now chapter three is self-determination. So mm. we have spent the last two chapters focusing on the inner sort of dimension and the things happening in there that make this acting possible yep. and give it such weight. But now we're focusing on the actual act of acting and (laughs) what that looks like and how that comes about yeah and yeah what it does so this this feels like maybe we have hit the center of the argument wow maybe i i I don't know i mean it seems like (laughs) from here you know we're everything is just gonna come back to this process of self-determination right but in thinking about how yeah. the person becomes the person because of the acts. Mm-hmm. The act itself. Right. We found the core. Really, yeah. Yeah. Self-determination. Yeah. yeah. We'll build off of. Yeah. Right. Yes. The foundation is laid. Yes. Almost that, like now we'll build on top of it. In yes. some way. I can yeah. see that. Yeah. Even though we really don't know what we're getting. <laughs> but. He gave us a pretty good overview in the, in the you know, introduction. That's true. So. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Don't you know where we're going? <laughs> but I think even I've noticed. My excitement for this book has been growing as, as like mm-hmm. the pieces are being laid and now mm-hmm. you kind of step back and you see that we've built something mm-hmm. that stuck the intricacies of consciousness. Mm-hmm. is like kind of hard to understand. Mm-hmm. But now that we've kind of gotten to the place, we're looking at will and the person and like how, what are the things and what, what comes into play? His argument now is coming to fruition. We have something yeah. there and like, okay, like now I know what he's doing and it's, a lot more exciting. Yeah, I think now. this chapter was easier to read, and I don't yeah. know if that was because I'm getting somewhat used to the language or, you know, the yeah. terms that he uses that over and over again. Um, but yeah, also probably because this part of it, as the core, is maybe the part that we see in our own actions, and so it's easier to kind of imagine this versus consciousness it's like i don't know that's hard to that's hard to understand and put in place of what is happening (laughs) so i i definitely could come up with more examples for this chapter to try and understand it myself yeah we also got like the second example he's given in this chapter 
Yeah. Like he actually gave an example. I know, and I can't remember really what short, it was. And they moved on. The right. white wall. Ah, the judgment yes. of like saying the wall is white. <laughs> and it's like, oh my gosh, he's he used an example. I know. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to help us along. Yeah. He- but did you notice that you know, I've expressed frustration, I don't know if on the podcast, but I have definitely expressed frustration with how late he is to define some of his terms. Yeah. That, you know, he'll use something over and yeah. over again and then at one point be like, I should probably define this. And I'm like, oh, really? Yeah. So in right, this yeah. chapter, he finally defines transcendence. <laughs> and I literally wrote on the side, like, really? Now at you're last. going to define this? <laughs> yeah. There's a term in the last chapter where I forget what it was, but I was, like, he starts talking about it and I'm like flipping back to like, where does he say what this thing is? And right. then and it's like two pages later, he defines it. Like, yeah. oh my gosh. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> he really, uh, yeah. He's not a linear thinker yeah. <laughs> in, in some way or writer. It's, and he does repeat himself a lot, uh-huh. which is really helpful uh-huh. to understand. But, but it's just but like, if kind he's of using terms that he hasn't defined circular, yet, yeah. you're like, what? Should, should yeah. I say that, uh, I don't know if the podcast listeners will remember a YouTube video from a long time ago. Oh, no. About llamas. But, um,. Yeah, that's where it comes from. Don't you remember this? What? Go for it. Carol. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so every time, for some reason, when I started reading, every time I felt like I was lost or I didn't understand, just in my mind, you know, I couldn't help the, like, Carol. <laughs> it's really Carl. <laughs> but, you know, um, so, and. I'm embarrassed. The, yeah, I know. The, all. Pope St. John Paul II is looking down now and has probably disowned me and um, will not work as hard to uh, bring my prayers to the Lord. But um, (laughs) it's tough. tough. (laughs) He has to understand that this is a difficult work to get through. Oh, yeah. I think he has some, some, maybe some. He's got, yeah, we're we're trying, right? Okay, okay, but yes, let's. um, (laughs) Yeah, let's get off the YouTube videos and Mm. I don't even know if I've seen that video, so. Gosh. Yeah. But you knew what it was. I took it as a point of pride. But <laughs> you knew you knew what I was referring to, right? Not necessarily. What? <laughs> as I do with the students, you just kinda nod and go along with it and you're like, Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Um <laughs> okay. revelations sorry, coming to light. <laughs> Let's talk about self determination. <laughs> Yeah, and we can't even watch it right now. But you know, next Sunday, you're going to have to watch that YouTube video, right? Me? Yeah. Yeah, well, you have to send it to me because I don't know what it is. Okay. Yeah. Okay, (laughs) self-determination. Okay, yep. Uh, We choose to watch YouTube videos (laughs) and become smarter? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay, yes, self-determination. Emily. (laughs) I was just going to... Could you, could you please give us a, a summary, an overview, a definition on, <clears throat> a description of self-determination? Okay, okay. Look how hard I worked in that question. I know, wow. I know, I know, I know. So really, working up to this point, I don't think self-determination needs a ton of definition because of efficacy and that oh. transition from potential to action. We know we have agency in that transition. And so I think that is kind of a basic definition of self-determination, that we have all of the readiness, all of the potential, we are presented with options. But ultimately, 
the person who makes that decision, and we can know this because of consciousness, consciousness <laughs> is ourselves. So we determine I. the outcome. Yes, yeah. I do. Let me see if I can perhaps add to this with, with a quote from the book, though. Uh-huh. So... Self-determination does not mean merely proceeding from the ego as the source and initial point of willing and choice. It means also the specific returning to that same ego, which is its primary and basic object, and with regard to which all intentional objects, everything and anything one wills or wants, are in a way more remote, or more remote, transitory, and just as external. So when we will something, which will is a big part of this entire chapter... We intentionally make a decision to move towards that object and that in turn, because we are the subject, because we ourselves are also in a way kind of the object, Mm -hmm. we determine ourselves. We (laughs) Yeah, and he's talking about determination Mm -hmm. in the sense of self-movement. So not that we are creating ourselves from nothing Mm -hmm. like defining ourselves Mm -hmm. um if that's i'm trying to say i am not determining what i am in the sense of i'm a dragon or something that i'm making (laughs) making up what father adam is i guess you're a dragon his the self-determination being I am the one determining the things that I'm doing, mm-hmm. that it's not something else determining it for me. Mm-hmm. I am, or he says even, uh, auto-determining. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's, which would be really the same thing. But I make these choices. I move myself toward mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. And it's not something else. Mm-hmm. As in, we are not determined by something else to choose this or to act a certain way. Mm-hmm. There's certainly a lot of factors, which you'll get to, but... That's, yeah, that, that self-determination right. is, Ultimately. is the, I'm determining as in I'm choosing, right. making a decision on what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. I'm not pushed by instinct mm-hmm. or emotions or, or just the object, whatever right. it is that, that is mm-hmm. got, that just is forcing me to move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I like this quote because it kind of sums up everything. We have talked about till now, but he writes, although objectification is brought about by the will as self-determination, this takes place within the frame, or may we perhaps say in the current of the simultaneous actual subjectification by consciousness. After all, man has the experience of each of his willings, of every act of self-determination, and this makes of it a thoroughly subjective fact. We then see the subject as if it were ceaselessly disclosed in its innermost objectiveness. We witness the disclosing, so to speak, of the objective constructing of the ego's own subject. So it's this weird sort of... (laughs) The self-determination is kind of the objective part. Because as we'll see, Mm -hmm. we are kind of making actions that either conform or don't conform, conform with an inner reference point, which we will get to. <laughs> hint, hint. Um, so this is like an objective construction. However, simultaneously, it's it's disclosed to us through our consciousness, which yep. through the reflexive 
um, pattern means we are the subject and we recognize that of ourselves. So it, it all just kind of comes together, this process and that, yes, may seem basic, but very fundamental that we are the yeah. ones determining our existence and yeah. Yeah. Our... And really fundamental. Mm-hmm. The power of an action mm-hmm. and what a person's capable of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe to summarize the summary, you know, the, thing, <laughs> the line Let's I like. one up each other lines with quotes. Down. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, from where you said, or a few lines down from where you finished reading. The person, the acting ego, also experiences the awareness that he is the one who is determined by himself and that his decisions make him become somebody. Mm. Rather than something. So yeah. this is how we recognize our pers- our personhood because we are acting and because those actions are determining who we are. Um, and I am doing it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 It's all connected. So along with this, this might not be the correct time to bring it up. So, you know, we can just change topics and you can just cut out this part. But, you know. <laughs> Don't give me a hint. <laughs> Don't show how it's made. But along with this comes the concept of transcendence, which he finally defines because we've been Ooh. kind of like guessing at this. Um, so, Father Adam, how does, oh how does transcendence fit into this as kind of our our goal or or maybe the result of self-determination yeah you should probably find the place where he he (laughs) quotes it because that'd be good but the so we'll talk about the will Mm -hmm. and maybe in classical you know philosophical traditions you talk about the will is oriented toward the good it's the rational faculty or you know this this it's moved by the good and so we'll say that like that's maybe a horizontal kind of transcendence in some way, but we see the coming to bringing to the fore of the person, the transcendence of the person in willing, because in willing, it's not just this faculty choosing a good, but it is the person who's making a choice and a decision mm-hmm. based on past experiences influences motivations emotions values mm. that is choosing a good mm. through the will this mm-hmm. faculty and as the will then maybe springs toward a good by the choice of the person like the person is there present to mm-hmm. the object and in a way kind of maybe incorporates the object in some way yeah like every outgoing movement comes back upon yeah. the person him or herself oh. yeah so the the willing is connected to a person always mm-hmm. it's not, not just a floating faculty mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere that the person is, is moving it making a choice based on a lot of things so it's not just like the reduction maybe of just to see the will moves toward a good but there's always a person there with all this other stuff going on so I think that transcendence is the revelation kind of of the person right. in the choice to move mm-hmm. the will. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So in one of the in one of the notes in the back, it um, kind of added that you might think of transcendence, this vertical transcendence, as he kind of specifies, of the person as an outgrowing of yourself. Mm. So every time 
you make an act and move yourself towards some sort of object of value, in turn, you are also moving yourself beyond your current borders, almost. In a, in a sense, you are like outgrowing Growing, yeah. that person that you were just a minute ago. And now you are a new you. And and I don't think, you know, you want to take this too far and be like, <laughs> every single moment you are a different person. Um, but in a sense, but you're growing. You're growing. There's more you, are always you there now. Becoming. Yeah. yeah. So this transcendence, which I, I think we kind of caught on to a little bit before now. But yeah, I, yeah, I really like thinking of this as you are outgrowing yourself constantly. You are constantly becoming and and you had agency in that it wasn't just something that happened <laughs> right because mm-hmm. if it just happens to you it's not right i guess you, you grow naturally without mm-hmm. I mean, you eat food and grow mm-hmm. but but mm-hmm. this is a different kind of growing mm-hmm. it's growing based on my choice mm-hmm. that i've i will moved myself that. to something and even mm-hmm. kind of like brought something in mm-hmm. to me into my life mm-hmm. into my Mm-hmm. Yeah, person. Yeah. So it's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. oh, and I should, um, even though this is skipping a little bit, he kind of hints at maybe some of his other themes that he is very well known for. Um, mm-hmm. So he writes, Decision may be viewed as an instance of threshold that the person as a person has to pass on his way toward the go- good. Moreover, this personal outgoing has to continue throughout his absorption by the good, even when it may rightly appear that the human being will be literally engulfed by the good, by the glorified end of his striving. So there's there's kind of that hint there that as we are striving, as we are vertical transcendence becoming what we strive towards, mm-hmm. that itself hopefully is good and in kind of giving of ourselves in that way, we may be, that may be the best becoming that we can hope for, or like the most unis that you can hope for. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, yes, yes. Okay, but anyway, I skipped ahead a little bit there. It's okay. We don't have to be super linear. Right. Uh, He talks about freedom. Mm-hmm. With self-determination, and mm-hmm. almost like he kind of even says at one point that they're kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, or self-determination is not possible without freedom, mm-hmm. and freedom is not freedom. If it wasn't if it, self-determined. Y- yeah. <laughs> uh, right, exactly. So maybe they're kind of the same thing. So that free will is necessary for self-determination. Mm-hmm. Maybe we've kind of already said that. But he spent some time on freedom. And the fact that it springs forth from the person, this kind of concrete ego Mm -hmm. that is unique to the human person. They're not other things that have freedom like we have. Mm -hmm. And then he, well, yeah, I guess that would be getting ahead. But two, talking about freedom as for something Mm -hmm. and not just this indifference toward options, but toward something that is good and fulfilling. But mm-hmm. He spends yeah. a good portion of this chapter 
really protecting self-determination from any sort of yes. outside influence um, that somebody could say, it was not I who made that decision. Yes. It was mm-hmm. c- circumstances outside of my control. He is wholeheartedly defending yeah. self-determination in this process. Yeah. Which, Against like determinism right. based on something else. Yeah. Right. Um, so, I mean, we can go through some of those things, but I, I think at the core, there's this perhaps difficult recognition that once again, you determine who you become. And while, you know, there are certainly circumstances and or emotions and or natural things that you don't understand welling up within you that play a part in that, um, the willing of something, the decision itself, those he maintains are free from any of those outside influences. So, I don't know. We can kind of talk about some of those yeah. things. Right, because he does spend a lot of time on it. Mm-hmm. And it yeah, seems to fit with some other maybe ideologies that mm-hmm. want to say we're determined by things. Mm-hmm. So, maybe a, a classic philosophical thing that the will is ordered toward the good. He'd mm-hmm. say, okay, well, the object is not determining that I choose it. Mm-hmm. It might present itself as good or valuable in some way. But it is not determining it. Determining me, like I still have, I'm still free to choose. Mm-hmm. Or even he talks about presentation, like a way a thing is presented, you know, like mm-hmm. marketing or something that we are just in. It's very appealing. We are, we are mm-hmm. yeah, convinced. Mm-hmm. And then but he's like, even that is not, doesn't take away the freedom of the will. Mm-hmm. Um, that even presentation is not determinant mm-hmm. of our will. He talks about motivations and the mm-hmm. thing, values, the things that we hold. And then you can certainly throw in. He doesn't really do it here, but passions and emotions and these things that all these things certainly play a part in our choosing and mm-hmm. our determining what to choose. Mm-hmm. But none of them take away that free choice. Mm-hmm. They don't override our freedom. Mm-hmm. They do certainly play a part and they matter. So we, we maybe experience and have a lot of these things part of our decision making, but none of them force our hand in a way, Mm -hmm. even though they might be strong influences like love for a person or real passion for a certain value. Mm -hmm. The choice is still ours and those Mm -hmm. things don't override Mm -hmm. our choice. Yeah. One of the revelations maybe we had in this chapter was we're kind of looking at this process almost from one particular action, right? We're almost looking at a person as a clean slate. But in most every situation, unless you are a newborn, (laughs) this decision has been preceded by millions, billions, trillions of other little decisions. And so we're not making decisions in sort of a a, a bubble of yeah. yeah yeah we have already ordered ourselves in ways that may we may not be aware of <laughs> towards particular values or towards particular maybe even passions or emotions that we've kept in play when we should have shuffled away and that makes a difference so 
So yeah, when you're when you're coming to make a decision, you can kind of bemoan the fact that you are a victim of your circumstances and even even, you know, thinking in ways of a, of an addiction like there's just I just don't have control over my brain at this point like I am just acting without having any say in it. But even if that is the case at that particular moment, which St. John Paul II would argue is not the case. There's still a decision there. You have, through your other actions, already become in this direction. Yeah. <laughs> and that makes a difference. You've determined yourself in a certain way. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, that was one of the discussions we had. Right. So the maybe other other ways that people see the person could be or are as this kind of blank slate tabula rasa, mm-hmm. always kind of radically free to mm-hmm. choose. Mm-hmm. But that's a bit abstracted from mm-hmm. a real person's life and mm-hmm. their past decisions and their, and their circumstances. And of those decisions. Right. All, mm-hmm. all the things that, that yeah, we've been talking about and kind of make up the radical complexity of a, of a person in mm-hmm. their life. So, yeah, some might see like total tabula rasa and so he's going to kind of say no to that, mm-hmm. that a person is present in all of these choosings mm-hmm. who has a history, has values, has a number of things that are at play, past decisions that have determined them in a certain way, mm-hmm. these habits and virtues and vices that have built up, values they've pursued that matter, mm-hmm. but they still don't determine. So it's kind of, because uh, another maybe ideological move would be to say that we are just entirely determined by our social conditions, mm-hmm. by the way we're raised, mm-hmm. by the culture around us, mm-hmm. that we are just kind of the summation of those things mm-hmm. and those kind of determine the way we think and determine the way we act. So he seems to be charting a middle course in mm-hmm. some way to say like, yes, all those influences matter, mm-hmm. especially our, our choices and the, mm-hmm. you know, the values and things we've pursued, things we, ways we've determined ourselves in some way. And yes, this kind of freedom to choose, but it's not a blank slate. I don't know. So it seems like there's kind of this middle road between these two errors of I'm wildly abstracted from everything and I just choose whatever I want. Mm -hmm. And I'm wildly culturally, socially conditioned. Mm -hmm. They're like in the middle is a person Mm -hmm. who's balancing these things as they choose Mm -hmm. this thing or that thing. Mm Mm-hmm. But still free to choose. Right. And there there does always seem to be a tension there. Yes. Um, it should never be easy, I think. Um, and in fact, you know, he kind of distinguishes between a simple, what, do you, what did he call it? A simple decision versus a more complex decision in which in a simple decision, there is just one choice. There is just one oh, yeah. object and we value it. So like there is no, you know, like it's it's not that It's not hard. really a choice. Right. We, it's just the obvious thing that you would do. Right. Yeah. Um, versus, you know, when in real life, actually, <laughs> in most situations, we are presented with multiple values, multiple objects and are sort of bombarded <laughs> by influences in other areas. And there's always this, tension between yeah balancing all those things but i think that would be the summation of mankind (laughs) 
Like, they, yeah, I, I don't know if we would be human beings if there wasn't always that tension. Yeah. Or that becoming would be as fruitful or fulfilling as mm. a process if it wasn't always in tension with you could have chosen otherwise. Or even chosen, like, done it differently. Yeah. You can do something angrily or, like, do something <laughs> with love mm-hmm. and charity. Mm-hmm. At different times, like mm-hmm. there's, yeah, the, kind of the wild complexity of mm-hmm. any choice. Right. That, so. yeah, is then more fulfilling mm-hmm. than just computer would choose between two things very mm-hmm. impersonally. <laughs> yeah, or, and, and we've, we've thought about, you know, kind of the difference between angels and humankind and that angels made an immediate decision and we enact that decision throughout our entire lifeline and that is something to be envied i think yeah in a way that and also terrible responsibility for us in a way (laughs) of course but yes yes. absolutely that yeah that at the end of it i am the product of every single decision that i made and and none of those were insignificant yeah yeah right yeah and that's really profound thing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so to quote him on the point you were making Mm -hmm. uh Although self-determination is appropriate and even natural to the person, there is in man a certain tension between, on the one hand, his will as the power of self-determination, the power of deliberate choice and decision, and, on the other, his bodily potentiality, emotiveness, and impulsions. Experience tells us that it is in this tension, rather than the simple and pure self-determination, that consists the lot of man. So that's really what you were saying. Right. Not and just to, in a yeah. much more beautiful, <laughs> pithy way, yes. Yep, yep. And thinking about, I don't know if we've done this very well the past three podcasts, like how this actually can come into our our daily lives and especially working with college students. One of the things we talked about was kind of how there is perhaps this tendency when it comes to sin and especially repeated sin (laughs) to pull your agency out of that situation. Maybe treat it like, like an addiction and something that you have completely no control over and to forget that even in the worst situations where it feels like you've been dealt a horrible hand, <laughs> there is still still a choice to be made and one that you have freedom to make. Right. Mm-hmm. There's that, in a way, a, a comfort mm-hmm. in being the victim of your circumstances or victim mm-hmm. of something mm-hmm. because it does remove your responsibility mm-hmm. in some way for your choices as, you know, a lot of students will talk about their mental state mm. as kind of abstracting them mm-hmm. from, wh- you know, why they can't do this thing right now or mm-hmm. why they procrastinated or why their stuff's late, you mm-hmm. know. And there's, yeah, certainly a lot to be said there. Mm-hmm. But there is, yeah, maybe that because of the profundity of being responsible for your choices that mm-hmm. we might want to at times kind of see ourselves as a victim of, of a circumstance. And as you said being a priest and hearing people talk about other issues with sin. Yeah. Some people gravitate toward this sense that I'm just overcome by this emotion or this passion Mm -hmm. that I don't quite have 
the agency in it that some way like an addiction element is overtaking my ability to choose or my culpability. And certainly, yes, uh, there's, yeah, there's a lot of complexity there, you know, work out with spiritual direction and those kind of things. But, but I kind of worry that we hand back our (laughs) self-determination, like kind Mm -hmm. of give up our freedom and that power of our choice to say like, I wasn't free to choose. Mm -hmm. But I think often we are, Mm-hmm. really free to choose that yes the temptation might be strong but we're still making a choice mm-hmm. and yeah we'll, we'll make mistakes and we'll, we'll slip up and we'll fall but kind of good news in a way of this is that we can choose that our passions and our temptations don't totally dominate our will mm-hmm. and that yeah, there might be a lot of pressure. It might be like heavy temptation, but we still have that ability to battle and choose and keep, yeah, keep in, keep in mind that we are the agent there. Mm-hmm. Certainly have a lot of helps too with grace and, right. and sacraments, but we have to, mm-hmm. I mean, no, we have to, but we, I have that incredible news that we can mm-hmm. choose and we can fight and we're not easily overcome by things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he says so many times the dynamism of the human person. That's one of his like favorite terms and words is kind of the dynamic structure of the human person. <clears throat> and when I'm thinking about are students who come in with very real problems and very real troubling situations um, and very real ways that this decision has been preceded by many other decisions and pathways have been built and habits have been built. So yes, you're up against some pretty terrifying (laughs) (laughs) odds here, but, but that, that, um, it just seems so opposite this dynamism that he's talking about, this dynamic human person. If you are constantly feeling like you are just kind of in the flow of things that are happening to you. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, repeated sin and and repeated sort of failure to to um, lift yourself out of your circumstances does not reflect that dynamism. It's just kind of like yeah. s- a human being in stasis, which, you know, reading about it, uh, reading about the human person and how JP2 imagines him seems like so opposite what we could be in this, you know, constant becoming. So, yeah, I, I think maybe it might be... <laughs> helpful for us and for others to constantly emphasize that even in those most temptate, um, tempting, I don't know know why I want to say temptating (laughs) and those most tempting of sins. And even in those most challenging of, of setbacks, there is something you can do here. And even if you're going to have to dismantle a lot of roadblocks that, have 
unconsciously been built over years. Like I'm, I'm thinking of our technology use and like how much you are at a disadvantage there when it comes to <laughs> managing how how much you look at your phone. Yeah. Like there's a lot oh, yeah. to be dismantled there oh. and it's going to take time. But with intentionality and with this recognition that there are things I can do about this um, and that every single action towards the direction that I want to go is a victory within itself and is starting to build that pathway out of it. Even if it still seems really far off, that's not insignificant. And that's, yeah, it's, it's worth the trouble. And yeah, just thinking about this as a battle. Right. This self-determination is almost like the most powerful thing force in the world. Okay. Like, you know, aside from grace and stuff. Love. Philosophic. (laughs) But but that's right. Yes. But to choose that, right. Mm. And to create ourselves, we kind of talked about that last time, but yeah, in a way, like we grow ourselves through our choices. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, one of the most powerful forces Mm. on earth is this internal free will, Mm. the heart of the person, Mm -hmm. which, yeah, like comes out in love and what he seems to be hinting at, that (laughs) giving of self. Uh Yeah, because love is not possible without freedom. Uh-huh. Yeah. But that ability to chart our course, mm-hmm. to move ourselves inside of situations, like that is an insane gift we have been given. Mm-hmm. We are, might be in bad circumstances, but we are never just a lost victim to them. Yeah. And the the... I don't know. I think our society still treasures stories of people that had every right to kind of just spew bitterness back into the world for what they were given. And instead, despite that huge burden and that, yeah, I don't know, that all the horrible things that they didn't have a choice in were given to them, (laughs) they still turned around and, and gave something different gave something that made the world a better place and um like those are the stories that i don't know like you read on facebook and make you tear up because (laughs) speaking of technologies yeah Uh, (laughs) because because that is a power that we have uh, and a truly a truly a gift of a power that nothing in your life so far has to determine what you give, um, what good you can give, what love you can give. And yeah, that's, that's huge. Right. And so that's what I've just enjoyed more and more reading this book because mm. it just reminds you of that. We lose sight of, or maybe I've lost sight of that dynamism, just mm-hmm. the radical power that we have to like choose right now, whatever it is. And, like, the ability to choose great things mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I can choose bad things. I can choose boring things. Mm-hmm. I can choose great things. I can do it right now. That, and then, yeah, like, I become more. Right. Because in, in of those afternoon. actions, I become more of those good things. things. Yes. Which is crazy. Yeah. 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 Okay, um, should we 
get to the thing? Yes, the thing we have thing. been teasing oh. the whole time. Yeah. You have waited, I'm sure. All right, Emily. Restless expectation. Hit him with it. <clears throat> so, as we were reading, <laughs> it seemed like self-determination really depended on this, the will being oriented to the truth. And that was something that we had to kind of sit down and think about because we weren't sure, is this truth um, something that we grow in knowledge of? Like, how do we access this truth? If this is so important, because he, he says specifically that the will is not acted upon by any of those objects. The right. will is not acted upon by emotions. But if the will is the deciding factor in our decisions, then this reference, this turning of the will towards the truth is a huge, is a huge deal. Yeah. <laughs> so what is Where this? Is it? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he says here, mm-hmm. um, we said, yeah, uh, the reference to truth forms an intrinsic part of every, of the very nature of a decision. Mm-hmm. And then to choose does not mean to turn toward one value and away from others. This would be a purely material notion of choice. It does mean to make a decision according to the principle of truth upon selecting between possible objects that have been presented to the will. So that's where, yeah, it seems he sets up all these things that don't determine the will. But then, yeah, here's this well, this reference to the truth is an intrinsic part of it. Right. And, and even core to it. Right. And it's like, oh, okay, what, what is that? Right. What's this thing? So we talked about it <laughs> because I was kind of confused with this reference to the truth because he uses that phrase, mm-hmm. reference to the truth, to truth a lot. And it, it really seemed like this was not something, this is Trivial. not yeah. cognitive, oh, right? Yes. This is not knowledge that we right. either have or we lack. It seems like right. this is inherent in every single person. Um, and so when you will something will, yeah. that is bad, you are acting you are willing against the thing that is inherent yeah so this just sounded quite a bit like conscience to us (laughs) the concept of conscience so there we go we yeah we we spoiled yeah i think (laughs) it seems from our discussion that it does seem to be pointing toward the conscience this thing Mm -hmm. rooted in the will Mm -hmm. yeah truth not as in like i know facts about the world things which could be like i could have the facts wrong mm-hmm. and that's an error but mm-hmm. but this orientation mm-hmm. of the will toward truth mm-hmm. as again maybe yeah the away from that blank slate idea that we just determine ourselves mm-hmm. entirely in the kind of the what we are mm-hmm. but you know there is you know, a truth of the person mm-hmm that the will has a reference to. And then he gives an example of, of guilt as, mm-hmm. as a thing that we, to recognize that I can act on bad information mm-hmm. or I can act in, in some way I think is good, maybe at the moment, but then I have this feeling of guilt. Mm-hmm. Well, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. Because if, if, you know, I know if I act, if I do something bad based on bad information, I usually don't feel guilty for that because it's like, I, I did the best I could, mm-hmm. but 
but what is this this feeling of guilt kind of springs from the mm-hmm. fact that I have made a choice mm-hmm. and it's not in accord with something mm-hmm. which I think he would say is the truth of the human person mm-hmm. and then he would maybe say that guilt doesn't just spring from the fact that we've been given values because of you know, our upbringing that it's just this sense given to us by our culture mm-hmm. but he's rooting it in the will mm-hmm. there it is that it doesn't matter in some sense even though you know we can kind of maybe cover over our conscience or a reference mm-hmm. to the truth but it doesn't matter if your culture says that x is okay mm-hmm. that the conscience this deeply rooted reference to the truth like remains mm-hmm. so yeah the example i was thinking of is like the nuremberg trials mm-hmm. and the nazi soldiers they were put on trial or convicted because of the conscience so yeah yes the law said you can do these things to these people and so like legally they are they're yeah they're in line with the law like they're doing what is what is lawful in nazi germany mm-hmm. but they're still tried on the fact that no you have a conscience this internal reference to the truth that says mm-hmm. it's not okay mm-hmm. to torture people mm-hmm. and so there's kind of a, a political entity recognizing this internal reference to the truth mm-hmm. that yes your culture might have said it's okay but deeply rooted in you you know it's not okay right. and we can hold you accountable for that mm-hmm. yeah and you you can't ignore it and, and like i like you said you can cover it up and with your decisions drown it out and, yeah. <clears throat> but it's still there and the more we talked about it the more this just has to make sense because if we had the great gift of self-determination and there wasn't a direction a recognized direction that you determine yourself towards and you just kind of you know kind of existed in this chaotic like i can be whatever i want um i think that would kind of be a purposeless gift right because um i don't know yeah, we have a, to have a, some sort of something good that every single decision we are kind of exemplifying and moving towards the good. Yeah, yeah, there kind of has to be an ultimate direction, like, like way a, for us to know that a tool you're given uh-huh. to accomplish something. Mm-hmm. But if there's nothing to accomplish, you just kind of have this right. hammer that you're just swinging around, and there's right. no nail mm-hmm. to hit or chair to build. It's mm-hmm. like I have a hammer. Uh-huh. Yay! <laughs> and I'm gonna it, swing it this way. <laughs> Beautiful example. Beautiful. Uh, and it it has to be something that, yeah, it doesn't matter the society, it doesn't matter the education that this would still be a voice inside of you <laughs> that you are not, yeah, acting on lack of knowledge. You are acting either against or in accord with an objective standard and that is within you that you don't you don't need to build up or like it it's there (laughs) yeah we say you could form your conscience right right but still like certainly get you you build up the the habit mm -hmm. the virtue of listening to it promptly and joyfully but but yes and it's also a gift Mm -hmm. that we yeah like we we're we're pointed in a direction Mm -hmm. and we don't have to always be inventing it or making it up or like yeah if mm-hmm. like we just had a bad 
or no education that were just like, well, now you're now you're drift because somebody mm-hmm. needed to tell you what what your choices are for, mm-hmm. which like certainly helps. Education is good, but you have this internal drive mm-hmm. toward it, a reference to the, to truth. And I think also of some ideologies have this idea that we are kind of this blank slate again. We can choose whatever we want, mm-hmm. but I think it seems maybe that some people who espouse that aren't super joyful and maybe experience the pain of conscience that mm-hmm. like I'm not happy and I don't understand why mm-hmm. and it's that maybe yeah you're you're ramming into your conscience or it's kind of punching you in the face in some way and you don't know what it is but it's there and it's this internal thing just saying like maybe the decisions you're making aren't good for you mm-hmm. maybe you should choose something else which is a lot, yeah, with a lot of our sins, like, mm-hmm. I want to do this thing because, like, I have a mm-hmm. passion for it or a desire that's bad. And then it's like, why do I feel terrible doing this? It's because there's this inner, <laughs> internal reference that's saying, mm-hmm. that's not good for you. Mm-hmm. And you would so, think that, like, we didn't bring ourselves into existence. We can't want to be born and yeah. then we're born. <laughs> right. <laughs> you would think that since... That part of us is shrouded in mystery and something that we couldn't do, that we would take seriously something innate in us that is trying yeah. to tell us what direction to go. Right. Just as our I, taste buds say, like, that's bad to eat. This right. is good to eat. And, and like, yeah, we recognize it points with, us toward what is good. tools. There's a yeah. way to use this to, like, yeah. fully take advantage of it and to... Yeah, if you use it according to the way it's built, it works so much better that way. Um, and if we did not build ourselves, then then surely we can't decide which way we use ourselves to the best of our advantage either. It would seem, yeah, you'd at least want to be like looking at right. what I am mm-hmm. to say, yeah, like what's the best way to find <clears throat> fulfillment here? Mm-hmm learn about the machine in a way right and uh, once again it's got to mean something that there's kind of this universal experience of a voice yeah. <laughs> or or guilt or shame that i don't know yeah so yeah experience so we're tapping into yeah this kind of sense of the natural law mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this innate reference to the truth maybe and even like c.s lewis in the abolition of man does the work to point out the kind of moral truths found in like every society throughout history mm-hmm. that are pretty darn common like or like they're very similar so he he calls this the tau this kind of basic morality that's found mm-hmm. in every human society because it, it kind of springs forth from the what we are mm-hmm. and how we're made mm-hmm. and so yeah, I mean, it's an argument for the natural law. It's an argument for mm-hmm. conscience. That like, yeah, it's not like different groups of people aren't just radically different. Like, we are very similar mm-hmm. uh, because we're human persons. Mm-hmm. And there's maybe evidenced by this historical, universal experience of human communities. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, stealing from each other's bad and like so of course we can steal from that tribe over there but in our tribe we don't steal from each other Mm -hmm. and even like torturing people 
bad. And <laughs> honor is a good thing. Like, mm-hmm. Honor your elders. Like mm-hmm. these things. Mm. Yeah. Getting back to that. Right. So, so maybe, maybe it is bigger than conscience. Maybe it is right. some, some reference to the truth being this maybe kind of natural law move. Right. Know, but And let the record stand that he does not actually name this as conscience. We are no. we are making a jump here. Reference because, to truth is what he says. Right. Yeah. That seems very natural to us, and maybe he will pick this up, but maybe he won't. But this does seem to be his way of kind of naming the element in us that is objective, that makes this process objective. Because if we weren't, if there weren't objective standards for good and bad, then how would we be forming ourselves concretely, objectively in any sort of way? So, yeah, that is what we are. Yes. Saying, but yes, and the next chapter, chapter four, mm-hmm. is talking about fulfillment and kind of yeah, developing more self determination, it mm-hmm. seems. But that would also make sense that if fulfillment is possible, mm-hmm. that there's got to be some objective way to fulfill this thing. Mm-hmm. If kind of there's this end possible, mm-hmm. how do you get there? Mm-hmm. There's got to be, I think, like a right way to get there. Mm-hmm. There's a destination. Yeah. yeah, because you wouldn't, yeah, even though the process, the or, or maybe even just the knowledge of self-determination is a good thing, you wouldn't think that, you know, regardless of whether it is good or bad, self-determination feels fulfilling. I think it would be headed a certain direction that it would feel it would be experienced as fulfilling. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess we will. We will find out. We will find out next yeah. time. Next time. Next time. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode of Reading to Rootedness. Hopefully, we are a little bit more rooted in a in a good understanding of the human person. But we will continue on and keep trying to find the roots of JP 2s ingenious <laughs> understanding of the human person and how that corresponds with the rest of our experience. So thank you. See you next time.